Hey, welcome today to Building a Better World podcast. I'm so happy to be joined by Ali Madhavji, managing partner and founder at Blockchain Founders Fund, and a really great friend and probably one of the smartest guys in the industry. So very excited to have you on. Um, how's it going? It is fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this. You know, I think we were talking earlier. The last time we saw each other was in Riyadh, uh, Saudi Arabia, what like almost a year ago. So it's been a crazy year. It's good to see you, buddy. Yeah, it's been it's been quite the year, and uh, I still remember we we saw each other at Leap, I think it was, and it was a very busy conference. And then uh, and then we saw each other out at the buses, and the drones came out, starting to do really cool you know, images in the sky. And then we went out to this, you know, fantastic dinner with the Ministry uh, of Investments and Communications um, and a lot of sort of the top venture funds and startups across the region and around the world were sort of there. So uh, it's been quite, quite the year since then. Yeah, it uh, that conference is is really amazing. It's coming around the corner again. I think it's in early March this year. Um, but yeah, Riyadh is, is definitely one of the places to be in the world that's really embracing blockchain and all kinds of technology that you know superworld's very interested in immersive tech and web3 and ai and so always a great place so always awesome to to see you there um i figure we start by kind of letting our audience get to know you and understanding more about your background love to hear you know tell us your story kind of how how did you get started um, you know, your background, kind of where did you grow up? Where, 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 how did it all start? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think it's a interesting sort of genesis when I look back at even like how I ended up in the Web3 space and like the reasoning and maybe some of the sort of catalysts along the way. And so, you know, I've, I've always been, you know, very passionate around how do we equal sort of the playing field for people and how do we sort of equalize opportunity and I think that really stems from, you know, my parents being refugees from East Africa, right? And, you know, came through very unfortunate circumstances, fortunately, to a place like Canada. Um, and so I grew up actually in Vancouver, but, you know, always at the ethos of what I was doing was, you know, trying to help level that playing field. And so got very involved in the education sector quite early on in, in sort of my, you know, teens and early sort of career. Um, and as some of you may know, published three books, uh, two of them made it to number one on Amazon, the education space, used to serve on the board of directors of the University of Toronto, um, and had a number of uh, ed tech startups that I advised, uh, a couple of them which exited. Um, and so that was sort of like a very big sort of part of like my early journey. And when I look at blockchain and the sector as a whole, I think of it actually very similar to the way I think about education in some ways, right? Um, when you think about higher ed as, you know, one of really the only ways to significantly change your trajectory and sort of, you know, really level the playing field for people, if you can sort of afford it, there's still some barriers, right? But there are ways that you can get help. There are a lot of scholarships, et cetera. And when you think about blockchain as a technology, really now leveling that playing field globally, um, and really, you know, solving, for example, challenges with, you know, multi-party, you know, opportunities, right? And how do you sort of allow commerce? How do you allow things to operate more effectively? 
And so really look at it the same way when you think about, you know, one of the biggest, you know, problems in the world that I think, you know, oftentimes isn't talked about enough is, you know, we've built this phenomenal society, this phenomenal sort of economy, global economy, but it's leaving a lot of people out, right? We're talking about a billion people that are unbanked, underbanked, and you now have a technology that really has the opportunity to create, you know, savings accounts for them. There's now borrowing and lending opportunities, which is really a core part of banking. And we have this opportunity to really change the trajectory and level the playing field. And we look at it, in, and I look at it in a very similar way across a lot of the innovation that's going on in this space, which is just incredible. Um, but, you know, now seven years into being full time into the space, um, you know, we now have over uh, 120 companies uh, in the space now that we've invested in at Blockchain Founders Fund. You know, we raised a new $75 million fund last year. Uh, and been actively, thank you, thank you, and been actively working on just finding many of the best, brightest founders that we can, you know, help them with their journey and help contribute and, and help them achieve their visions, but also the visions for a better world. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, that's that's a definite, um, you know, uh, a, a, a journey that I think um, really parallels um, what we're what we're seeing, as you said, in the industry, education and and blockchain and democratization of this technology and in giving people accessibility. Um, you have a very international background too that I want to highlight. So you know, you, every time we talk, we're you know, you're in definitely in different parts of the world. I'm I'm a global nomad, and this is super world. So love to hear um, about you know your your background, like in terms of. Uh, how you think about the world globally, how, how you've lived around the world. You were a, Sh a Schwartzman scholar as well. I know there, there's a there's a big impact there in kind of understanding international markets. So would love to hear kind of how you think about that as it relates to the industry or your life or how you look at opportunities. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, I think it's definitely something that's helped shape the way that I look at the world and you know, I think that a lot of people that have been early into the Web3 space have actually had somewhat of an international background because, you know, if you've grown up, for example, in a in a very westernized society, like one of the challenges is you don't necessarily think about things around like currencies could be, you know, less stable and there could be high inflation. I mean, now we might think about it in this day and age in the last two years, but like this is something that's impacted emerging markets, you know, since since the dawn of time or since the start of these currencies in reality, right? And, you know, when you sort of put together a lot of these experiences, so as I mentioned, you know, parents, refugees, I grew up in, in Canada, uh, in Vancouver, ended up doing my undergrad at the University of Toronto and served on the board there, um, you know, did a number of uh, different, uh, you know, uh, charitable and sort of nonprofit uh, initiatives, then went to uh, New York and Brazil sort of pretty early on in my career, you know, working on turning around companies, um, you know, which was a phenomenal experience, but also extremely stressful when you think about, hey, a, a major company's got four months of cash, go fix it, you know, that sort of thing. Then um, did an MBA at INSEAD, which is uh, one of the leading business schools around the world. So did that between Singapore and France you know, worked briefly at PayPal on the strategy team. And then, um, 
And then that's sort of when I decided to move full time into the Web3 space. Also, as you mentioned, uh, you know, did a, did another master's at China in China at Tsinghua University as a Schwarzman scholar, which just was an eye opening experience. I think there's like a number of, you know, uh, there's a handful of countries that I think really operate differently to the rest of the world and operate in a way where there's just a, a very different understanding that you need to build uh, that probably breaks a lot of the initial like conceptions that people have. Um, and I think China is one of those. Japan is one of those. Um, and it was very, very eye opening for me. And I think when I think about things, it's really putting a lot of these different experiences that I've had around the world, living in so many different places, similar to you, and try to put all of those together in the way that I think about, you know, different decisions that could impact, you know, our business or could impact scaling different startups, et cetera. Yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, it, it's, it's definitely interesting to go to a new place and uncover different ways of thinking that challenge maybe how you you've grown up or things that you've you've come to think of as a given and then you realize that um, people in a different place think about it in a di totally different way. Um, I'm just uh, the the almanac of uh, Charlie Munger uh, just came out on Audible. Uh, I don't know if you've read the book, but, um, you know, one of the things that he talks a lot about is frameworks and models and, um, kind of ways of, of kind of understanding the world around you and using those frameworks to, um, to evaluate, uh, you know, whether it's an investment decision or a life decision, um, curious about, you know, as we think about blockchain and web three in general, you know, uh, you know, especially for many of the people who are thinking about what what does this open up in the world? What what are the possibilities? How do you think about that? Uh, you know, you you touched on it a little bit earlier, but I'd love for you to kind of go into you know telling people. I mean, there, there's interest now in, about Bitcoin ETFs. Um, you know, entering the market very soon. Um, uh, it looks like uh, a broader market, you know, bigger institutional players are going to be getting more exposure to Bitcoin in general and 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 potentially Ethereum and others. Um, what is this opening up in terms of a framework for someone? How do they think about this? How is this going to change the world? Yeah, so I think I think uh, sort of broadly when I think about this space, it actually impacts world in so many different ways right and so if we start sort of high level you think about blockchain technology solving what we sort of look at as multi-party trust issues and you've got a lot of commerce that i think can unlock a lot of different things that can unlock with that right you take these different areas we talked about sort of the unbanked portion and i won't sort of go into that again but you know it's solving a major problem that i think the current financial system just doesn't adequately do when you look at some of these other things, I mean, everyone's been talking about NFTs for the past few years and everyone thinks about like these JPEGs and monkey images, right? And it's like further from the truth of what an NFT actually is, right? It's it's in reality, when you boil down to it, it's the first way in human history to track ownership in a digital world. And if you think about how core ownership is to our physical world, it's literally what defines nearly everything in our society. 
right? Like we own everything from land to all sorts of possessions, to collectibles, to all sorts of these other things. And that's how we define our world. And if you take it 30, 40 years ago, we spent 0%, 5% of our time in the digital world. Now, if you go ask a Gen Z and you'll know this firsthand, they're going to tell you it's 50, 60, 70, 80% of our time is in the digital world. And so like, in what world do we think we're living where we don't need to track ownership in a digital world? This is literally going to be fundamental to everything we do in the digital world going forward. And there is no way around that. Like it has to be part of it because that's the way like we see it evolving. Um, and it's just so core to human nature. And I think this oftentimes gets missed. This oftentimes gets um, exploited, right? Obviously there's a lot of scams, a lot of different things that like, hurt people, exploited people. But when you look at the core underlying technology, like this is fundamentally changing the world and the way that we operate. And so that is very, very critical. And when we think about how we look at founders uh, and companies, I mean, we've got about 90 different things we look at, but I think one thing that tends to be missed by a lot of investors, by, you know, a lot of different people that try to get involved in the space is, well, what needs to change for like some major innovation to unlock, right? Or like, why does this sort of make sense at the cusp given like the emergence of certain technologies? And I'll give you some examples. We started investing in blockchain gaming in, in 18 and nobody in the world had a thesis on blockchain gaming at the time. And we were doing it because we saw the fundamental shift of what collectability could do in games, what like you know, being able to like basically turn that time into into value could do. And we've seen that firsthand emerge and obviously come back a little bit down to earth. And, you know, I think it's going to take off again when we solve some of the, you know, challenges still around that space. When we started investing in, you know, AI and blockchain in 19, again, nobody in the world was looking at this. And we were like, this fundamentally changes everything because, when you bring AI into gaming in different respects, we started seeing what opportunities could happen from an experience perspective. Like if you think about how human DNA works and how unique it is, right? And all of us are unique. All of us evolve in different ways. Think about that now in terms of any game, right? And how, you know, different things can be fully unique and actually evolve in different ways. Like that's creates entirely new experiences and ways that, you know, uh, games can evolve, even right? And so I think there's all of these different types of aspects that like, we're not thinking about when you especially blend the emergence of different emerging tech. So take, you know, AI and blockchain or IoT and blockchain, like you start putting these technologies together, given that where they are in terms of, you know, their emergence, like it starts to unlock exponential opportunities. And so this is what we're really excited about in this space is now starting to pair this with other really incredible emerging tech. Um, and you're seeing this unlocking of just incredible experiences, incredible opportunities, incredible businesses. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, I, I love the fact that, um, you know, the way you explained that about the physical world and the digital world and how, you know, it would be just crazy to to not think that people would think of ownership in a digital environment where they're spending, you know, potentially uh, for some people now a, a much more significant amount of time. And in the future, 
potentially even even more time. Uh, uh, and as that grows, um, you know, the, the the fundamentals of 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 non fungible token NFT technology and the benefits that provides as it relates to ownership or commerce, uh, authenticity of ownership and and you know the trustless nature of of the blockchain that aids in 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 commerce um is 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 definitely something that i think anyone once put in those terms i think it makes perfect sense so thanks for for describing it that way um wh what do you think the barriers are for you know i you know it sometimes i i feel like we can live in a bubble uh when you're in the industry um and you know i think one of the things that we're really focused on at superworld is how do we make it really easy to for people to to get into this space how do we get it, whether and i say this space broadly meaning you know immersive tech and web3 and ai um what do you think the barriers are to people understanding that or getting over the hump it, in and obviously you know, as as more people and institutions get into things like Bitcoin and, you know, Apple comes out with the Vision Pro and, you know, and and ChatGPT, I think, has done a really good job putting AI at the fingertips of everyone. Uh, you know, I think we're seeing that. But is what are there barriers still that you think are fundamental that are going to be unlocked? And wh what are those barriers? Yeah, so so there's definitely quite a lot of barriers. So I'll, I'll, I'll sort of go through the way I think about mm -hmm. it, right? So I think starting off, before you get to the consumer, there's the development side. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of barriers on the development side, which is then impacting the consumer side and that lack of, say, like simplicity as a user experience and like what you come to expect. And I think part of the reason we're seeing this and like we talk to a lot of developers and a lot of them end up building the same types of things because there's not proper tooling across the industry. And so like, for example, um, you know, a lot of different companies in the space need different data sources. Maybe they need to be connected to different exchanges as an example. Let's say you need to be connected to different exchanges. Now you're integrating 12 different exchange APIs as an example, if you wanna integrate the top 12 exchanges. Then let's say like each exchange ends up having an update once a month or once a year to their API. That means if each one updates it once a year, that means every single month you've got to update it because you've got 12 different in integrated. And so like you've got all of these things, that's just one example, but like every startup needs to then build like redundancy and how to like decrease downtime and like, you know, relay layers for gas and like all of these different things that I think have made it very challenging to actually build all of these things and release like very streamlined products when there's just so many tools in the background. And so we made a recent investment in a company called Uniblock that's basically built a unified API. And so now you just integrate one API and it's already got everything built in. It's got the redundancies. It's got all the different data sources, like 150 plus of the you know, major tools across the space that you just click one button to turn on now. And I think these types of things are going to make an unlock development tremendously in the space, which is going to lead to better user experiences because companies can now not, they don't need to have two, three staff just focused on developers, just focused on like building these things that otherwise now no longer will need to be built going forward. So I think that's going to already lead to like better user experiences because the time from developers is going to be able to be spent on the things that customers need most, not 
just tools to kind of patch things together to make it work. Uh, I think then looking at the consumer experience, honestly, it's been a tough year and a half. Like we've burnt a lot of users in this space as an industry, right? Take, you know, CFI, like, you know, centralized finance and what's going on with everything from like BlockFi and Celsius, but all the way to like FTX, right? And all of these issues and all of these people that got burnt by this, it's going to be very difficult to get them back into the space and like regain their trust, right? So I think even though when you think about CFI or centralized finance, it's not really at the core of Web3, right? Like like it's centralized. It's kind of further from Web3 than than, than kind of the, the premise of, of what we're trying to build. But a lot of people use that as their gateway into the space. And that really, you know, backfired, I think, uh, on the industry as a whole and damaged the industry as a whole. So I think some of these bad actors that have, you know, been there um, have really impacted, I think, the space going forward. And it's going to take a lot of time to rebuild that. I think when you've got these, we, we still believe that, a lot of new people are going to have to come in through like entertainment, right? So take like what Superworld's doing or like gaming, um, you know, anything related to like maybe TV, film, like different types of entertainment are going to be a really good gateway to get people into the space. Um, obviously, that also means that we need to, as an industry, try to prevent more bad actors in that space because there has been challenges, right? Like take um gaming as an example as soon as people get into the gaming space assets go up and up and up and it becomes harder and harder to for people to even like afford to play these games or spending crazy amounts of money on some of these assets so we need to solve these types of issues we invest in a company called nifty arcade that's built like rev share based um lending across uh nfts and gaming and i think this actually solves the problem so you know if someone has a bunch of NFTs in a game, they can say, hey, I'll let you borrow it for 30% of what you earn in the game. But it's all uh, rev share based. It's all smart contract based. And I think that really unlocks some of the key problems around games becoming unaffordable to play in this space and some of those challenges that then like created obviously a massive bubble and then a massive crash, right? So I think the this is very critical. Then we look at, how does people in the real world sort of use this, right? And I think there's a lot of interesting innovation that can come out of this, right? And like, how does your everyday person start to use it? And so I think it's, you know, as like, we've got companies, for example, building like really cool, but really weird things that you might not think that blockchain is at the core of, but it actually is solving major problems. And I'll give you an example. Um, we recently invested in a company called Petastic, which is actually putting pets and pet IDs on chain. And they've put over 600,000 pets on chain in the last few months. And this is actually really, really cool because anyone that's a pet owner that's on this, uh, you know, listening to this podcast will know better than I do because I learned all about this as a non-pet owner. But if you've got a pet, you've got to, you know, you've got to track their vaccine certificates, right? And generally, these are like on paper, sometimes they're in like these centralized systems that don't share across like networks properly. So, um, but you've got to then every time you go to like a pet daycare, or like a pet groomer, you've got to bring these certificates of these vaccines, which obviously makes no sense, and people are losing them. And like, it becomes this huge issue. But now if you digitize it, and you've got this like pet ID, and all of this information is there, and you get insights into like, how to help make your pet like even more healthier, et cetera. I think that like it actually solves a big problem. 
Um, you know, from a human health record, human health idea, it makes sense as well, but there's a lot of HIPAA compliance, a lot more privacy compliance related to like the human side of things. So it, it makes it a little bit more complicated, but from a pet perspective, it's actually worked really, really effectively. And, and, you know, Nestle came in and invested in the company now, which they're the second biggest pet food maker in the world. A lot of other really great partners have started getting involved there. So we see huge, huge potential in like these types of real world applications, you know, getting involved in the space. So that's just a few different examples, uh, but I'll stop there in case uh, you've got any thoughts. I know it sort of even relates at the core to how Superworld thinks about uh, a lot of the way you're thinking about growth and physical and digital, et cetera. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, I think very well said is ultimately trying to, you know, on the developer side, uh, create less friction for developers, as you as you stated, as well as. Um, on the consumer side, you know, create real world utility. Um, so users of of these applications, whether they're entertainment and you know, just making it easier to play a game and and to get into one of those applications, a, a gaming a game without spending as much to to buy assets or borrow and and having that transparency on the blockchain, as you said, uh, all the way down to you know, how do you uh, keep track of your pet? which is uh for for many people you know everything um and and so important so yeah i mean i i think that uh you know as i as i think about these th this kind of utility and and how the technology is 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 kind of uh you know the the benefits of the technology are being felt and so you kind of move away from you know, necessarily thinking about which blockchain or, you know, the the actual complexity of, of how it all works, just a way of tracking your your pet's medical care, right? Um and and thinking about just the benefits of that and abstracting away the tech necessarily necessarily and not talking about the tech w what do you think is um any any historical precedents or what what kind of things are um coming um as it relates to uh the the benefits in other parts of our our life um there's so many things you guys have such a huge portfolio and i i love really hearing about the companies that you're you're working with these are all you know as you stated i think really great partnerships for us that we should think about as well um but where where you know how else is this transforming people's lives and where where do your companies kind of play an impact there yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of different examples. I'll touch on a few that I think are are maybe like particularly interesting for for the audience, right? So, um, you know, we're one of the first backers of a company called Breshna. Um, and Breshna, when we backed them, so the goal was to build a no-code uh, video game platform where anyone in the world can now make a video game in minutes. Um, and this was obviously a very big feat. Uh, they hadn't created any games by the time we got involved. And, you know, fast forward, now they've built the world's first text-to-game engine as well. They've got all these different templates. Anyone can basically build a game 
uh, in minutes, right? And these are games like Super Mario, Flappy Bird, Space Invaders, Wordle. But like, cool. you can add your own characters, you can add your own themes, you can have like your own different items to the game or your own like educational aspects to it and your own trivia questions. And so what we've actually seen is this has started to blow up, right? And now there's millions of users playing these games every month. Um, you know, we're seeing over uh, a couple hundred thousand games built this year alone, which is, you know, phenomenal. Um, and we see this as even as now a future to the way education blends with things like gaming. And, and we're seeing teachers all across different countries, you know, create games that are educational that now other people around the world, other kids around the world can actually play. And these teachers can even potentially monetize it, which is pretty exciting. Um, I think that actually changes a lot of the way that we think about things. And it really blends some of these different technologies and industries together. Um, we're seeing all sorts of really cool things across, you know, credit, right? How do you like, well, if you think about one of the biggest problems in emerging societies, and we've spent a lot of time working with the United Nations around some of these problems, but when you think about the developed world and how central or how core credit is, right? The ability to access credit, whether that's mortgages, credit cards, all sorts of other loans, car loans, et cetera, like it is actually very central to the way that societies work. But when you take in emerging markets, these credit facilities, credit, uh, you know, bureaus, these like credit facilities just don't exist in the same way. And it's completely broken that it doesn't actually allow people to obtain and grow and, and, and sort of build in the same way that we've had the opportunity to build in the West. And so this is actually really, really cool. So we've got, for example, a company called Credit that's you know, help drop non-performing loans for different banks and microfinance banks across the African continent from 30% to 10%. Um, and we're seeing hundreds of thousands of customers really benefit in their lives being able to change by being able to access credit effectively, but in a way where it's also ensuring that, you know, there is reliability and these are getting paid back and it's not impacting obviously the lenders because if it's impacting the lenders, that means they're not going to lend to more borrowers in the future. And so like helping to build that system to function, you know, properly, that's going to change the lives of, you know, millions and millions of people. I mean, we've got companies in supply chain that are helping. So check it um, is helping to ensure that pharmaceuticals are actually authentic. And so this is actually saving the lives of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, making sure that you have authentic pharmaceuticals, especially in regions where there's a lot of history around counterfeit, um, you know, pharmaceuticals that can be deadly, right? So these types of things, I think, are really changing the world and being able to track it, you know, on this blockchain layer and ensuring transparency between the different parties and being able to authenticate it is actually critical. Um, and in fact, life-saving, right? And so this is what's really, really exciting. Uh, when you start looking at this space and you take it from that angle all the way to, you know, other forms of entertainment and building AI into games. We recently, with Futureverse, launched the first AI football league with FIFA. So like on the entertainment side, there's all these really cool things happening as well. So, you know, when you pair all of these really, really exciting opportunities together, there's sort of one spectrum of like life changing, life saving, but then there's the other side of like creating just like much more immersive experiences, more exciting sort of entertainment experiences that I think are also, you know, building happiness and changing lives that way. So 
a lot of really, really cool things in the space. That's awesome. Definitely uh, doing a lot to improve the world and improve people's lives. Um, We love that at Superworld. Um, Curious about your, um, you know, as an investor, um, and you've done so many things uh, in your life. Um, you know, what do you think of, uh, the, the job of, of an investor? How do you, uh, you know, there are probably, you know, some VCs and investors or budding investors, uh, who are listening to this. And I think you have a really, um, you know, as I mentioned to you before, a, a kind of a, a really, um, strategic way of thinking about the world and, and, and the things that you're doing. So would love to hear maybe some advice for people that want to get into, uh, the investment world um, in 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 Web three or in tech, and um, you know how 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 people can kind of think about that um, as an opportunity, whether they're individuals or whether this is you know starting a fund or somehow getting involved uh, in the space, getting more exposure to the space. Yeah, happy to. I mean, I think. My my take on it may be bit drastically different from a lot a lot that you'd hear in the space, but like the way I look at this is is in reality money has been pretty cheap, right? Like historically over the last ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, money has gotten really cheap. So if you think your competitive advantage is that you need a lot of money to be able to invest, or you know that's going to really be the the core piece, like I'd say that's further from the truth, right? Like startups like money is important right but at the end of the day like support network like opening up doors driving revenues or like figuring out how to monetize like these things are all more important so at least the way i think about it being an investor is like the money is kind of like an additional it's like a nice to have it's like a bonus even though we come in with pretty sizable checks into companies help unlock a lot of like opportunities that way like to me the biggest thing is being able to come in and drive value. And we think of ourselves at, at Blockchain Founders Fund more as founders, operators than as investors. And that's our background, right? And, you know, this is in part why, you know, I talk to 20, 25 of our founders every single week um, and work with them specifically on like, what are the biggest challenges? How can we open up doors? How can we go solve like X bottleneck? And I think that is a lot more valuable. And so that means if you're interested again to the investment world, like the way I would look at it and the way that, you know, we also started in this space uh, as investors was essentially like your time is more valuable than your money. And so figure out how to go add value to the things that you're passionate about that you think you can have an impact on and get involved that way. And maybe that comes with, you know, small checks or, or like, you know, what you can make work from like what you have available. But like the way I see it is like your time effort is going to go a lot further and then your money is going to basically help to like build sort of that profile over time, help you maybe get a little bit more ownership into things that you already know you can impact, help make a difference, help grow. And that's going to help drive return. So uh, pretty different take probably on a, on a lot of investors, but that's how we think about things. And, and it's worked, you know, really, really well for us. No, I, I I love that, and and you know I've always uh, ad- admired that about uh, blockchain founders fund is very very hands on approach. I think you you see it um, in how you've in- I I've seen you interact with uh, many of your founders, and and uh, I think that's uh, very refreshing um, to lead 
um, by adding value and, you know, the network and how you can kind of have a, a founder's approach to being an investor, um, which I think is uh, ultimately uh, where uh, the value comes from for uh, companies um, that you work with. So um, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and and uh, get into, um, you know, you're, you're, again, very international. You have a, a very big portfolio. Um, you have a lot of interests and and things that you you work on. Um, how do you how do you stay balanced and focused? Are there some kind of um, you know personal strategies that you do in terms of uh, you know I don't know anything from exercise or meditation or uh, any any practices um, that you uh, perform to kind of uh, stay on top of things? Uh, tell us more about your your personal routines and, and how do you, you know, do what you do? Absolutely. So, you know, I think, I think there's a few parts that go into this, right? Like one, you just got to love what you do. Right. And I think that's going to, you know, help you wake up in the morning and just be excited at for the next day. And I think that's like very, very critical if you want to sort of be in this industry, if you're not that excited about something, probably figure out how to change it. Right. So like that's very much at the core of like the way that I think about, you know, what I do and and, and why I do what I do. Um, you know, in terms of ways that sort of help that, I mean, I love hiking. We hike a lot. Um, we actually live, uh, depending on where, but um, in Vancouver, grew up on the foot of a mountain, hike a lot. Um, and that's, you know, a daily, you know, every other day type of thing. In the winter, that does get a little bit more difficult, but you know, depending on where I am around the world, you know, definitely try to do different classes. I actually play uh, floor hockey from time to time or different sports like volleyball, soccer or football, if whatever you want to call it. Um, so, you know, try to get involved in these different types of things. I find that more entertaining and more engaging for me than like oftentimes just like, you know, doing something that's maybe a bit more static. Um, so that's that's been, you know, quite helpful. Um, so those are a few of the different things. I mean, I, I did grow up doing a fair bit of meditation as well. Uh, I haven't been practicing, to be honest, as much as I'd like. Um, but I do think it's actually been quite a, a quite uh, effective. So if we're, you know, we're December 2023 right now. So one of those goals for me for 24 is, mm -hmm. you know, to really get back onto uh, the meditation side, because I do think it's a very good way to like, you know, collate thoughts and like really like think through things, you know, more effectively. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's so many things that everyone does, um, that, you know, I think it's very personal what, what people do to, to either stay on top of things or, you know, just on their, in terms of their daily life. But yeah, while doing hikes up a, a mountain sounds, uh, like a, a perfect thing to do there in Vancouver, um, you know, I, uh, want to uh, kind of zoom out here and, and, you know, uh, again, uh, I, I just, I'm in Europe now you're in Vancouver. Um, we're probably going to see each other and in, in various parts around the world this year. Um, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about, um, is very global in nature, like the technologies, whether it's web three or, AI, uh, immersive tech, et cetera. Um, where do you think in the world, um, you know, that, that this is happening faster than other parts of the world? Is it, is there reasons for that? 
what do you expect the outlook in the world to be? I know um, for for those of us who are paying attention to what's happening in the U.S. versus other markets on the regulatory side, um, where do you where do you kind of see um, some of the opportunities uh, for if you're a founder starting a company? You know, should some of these just considerations kind of play into where you do that? What's your thoughts on uh, that as it relates to the broader industry in general? Well, one of the fascinating things I think about this industry is that in reality, a lot of it starts global from day one, right? Like it's it's very different when you think about how startups used to be scaled in, in other industries and like how they're scaled in, in this space, right? So, you know, you don't need to necessarily figure out, I don't know, sales in your like local geography, you know, two miles around you or two kilometers around you, right? Like you're you're starting global from day one. I think that changes a lot of it. But when we think about the way that, you know, startups use essentially opportunities as beachheads and understand problems and have sort of that founder market fit even, it, it varies depending on where you are, are around the world. So when you take like, you know, some of the, there's obviously in the US, there's still a lot of really great innovation. You know, you've got really great like fintech innovation in this space out of New York um, and different parts of the States. You've got obviously like more like SaaS based business. Some of the more like technical businesses are going to be, you know, out of San Francisco. Um, and you do still have that. And obviously, again, across the States, because talent has moved a lot over the last few years and spread out. But then like, if you think about, you know, how are the credit challenges in Sub-Saharan Africa going to be solved? Like, I doubt it's going to be a founder, you know, that's building an SF that doesn't have, you know, clear ties and like grew up in an environment in Sub-Saharan Africa to help learn and understand and solve that and with people on the ground that are there. And so, you know, while you have more and more remote teams, that like experience level is still going to be required on understanding these problems in depth. depth and really have a passion to solve them. Similarly, you know, solving like cross-border payments in Latin Central America is not going to, again, come from the U.S., right? It's going to come from someone that's, you know, really excited and passionate from that part of the world that has sort of maybe gotten an education abroad and maybe like built and learned different experiences abroad and try to bring that back. But we do believe that a lot of these incredible innovations are also still going to come from people that have these experiences and are from some of these regions that allow them to have that background to solve it and that understanding to solve it. And so that's part of why we invest in startups all around the world um, and uh, and really excited to keep doing that. And so I think different challenges in different regions are going to still be fueled by you know, founders with an understanding of those problems and that grew up around those problems, but maybe gathered, you know, different international experiences as a way to like bring in best practices and learn best practices to then apply to solving those problems. Yeah, I think uh, that's uh, very well put that, you know, having the very native kind of uh, understanding of that problem uh, often leads to the best solution because you're you're dealing with it and 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 being in an ecosystem where you're around other people such as you know whether it's San Francisco or uh, Latin America or Singapore or Dubai or wherever wherever it happens to be um, where you're around people that are 
are kind of knowledgeable or there's frameworks to kind of help you, um, you, you kind of naturally kind of those ideas kind of start from, from those locations is, is what you're, what you're saying. Um, you know, as we are going into the new year and getting into 2024, anything that you want to tell us, anything we should be thinking about or looking forward to, um, you know, there's. Uh, I know you're uh, also an, uh, a thinker in in terms of economics and macro. Um, uh, w- what what do you think's coming on the horizon um, for the industry? Um, how do you think that's going to shape uh, interest? Um, we talked a bit about the bear market and 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 people um, uh, coming to an understanding of why you know, um, uh, smart investors uh, get into this industry in a bear market. Um, and when the bull market starts, how do you think this bull market, um, this upcoming year or two is going to go? Yeah. So we are, we are actually very bullish on what we're seeing because over even the last year, we've just had incredible development continue to happen. Incredible companies being built and we found, you know, entry points for us as a fund that have made sense into a lot of really great companies over this uh, period. Now, looking forward, you know, one of the challenges on venture, any startup founder or anyone that's sort of in the startup world will know over the last year and a half, it's been rough to raise money. It's been very difficult. And in large part, that's because you've seen interest rates rise pretty significantly. So your risk-free rates are a lot higher, Right. And that's meant less dollars from LPs going into venture and private equity. That's meant that VCs have been a little bit more hesitant to deploy, especially with, you know, a real correction in public market valuations, which has led to series A, B, C having very significant corrections. Um, But what we're seeing and expecting now is sort of late Q1 or Q2, we probably are going to have a a, a decrease in these interest rates, which is going to mean a decrease in in risk-free rates, right? And so what that's going to mean is more venture dollars, more private equity dollars, which is also going to help fuel this space in addition to already all the excitement that's happening around like the innovation that's coming with, you know, uh, the, you know, the excitement over ETFs, as we talked about a little bit. And so all of these things culminating and coming together as sort of a melting pot right now or like in the very near future is just going to help this space to just explode in our opinion and really go mainstream. And so we're actually really excited about the timing of everything coming together right now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh you know, we all are and and very excited about the industry. I'm I'm going to uh go ahead and and start wrapping this up. I have a a, a question to ask you um that's uh you know, more about uh, related to virtual real estate and Superworld, where in the world, if you could buy virtual real estate, where where in the world is important to you? What what are places in the world that you love and why? Um, you know, everyone has a story about different places and and why places are significant for them. If you could buy virtual real estate anywhere in Superworld, where would it be? That's a that's a good question. I mean. I think there's going to sort of be the the natural ones, right? So like where I grew up as an example, I think obviously has like a meaning to me personally that may have less meaning to others. You know, I think, 
you know, as I travel around the world and sort of been to a lot of different places, I think like each one of those has different memories and experiences attached to it. And so, you know, there's going to be reasons why, you know, Brazil, like where I was living in like Sao Paulo, Rio, and, you know, looking at uh, New York as an example, is going to have very sentimental value for, you know, when I was living there. So I think there's all of these different places. Um, you know, I think some some that have been outside of that that I haven't necessarily lived in, but that have been, you know, really, really great experience have been things like, you know, safari in the Maasai Mara, um, you know, in Kenya or climbing Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. I think there's like really, you know, um, strong and deep sort of connection with these places after these experiences um, that I think would would definitely be high up on the list. Awesome, awesome. Love to love to hear about that. Love to hear these stories. Um, always, uh, you know, so amazing to to catch up with you, man. Really appreciate you being on. Where can people find you on the internet to learn more about Blockchain Founders Fund? Learn more about you. How can they get in touch? What's the best way? Yeah, absolutely. So you can always reach out to us on blockchainff.com. If you uh, have an interesting startup that you're building, you can share information with us there. You can find me on any major social medias, LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, um, and, and share stuff with us of what you're building. Um, what's really cool about our fund is we actually look through every single idea that's shared with us and it doesn't, you know, it happens from partners. So I will look at everything that's shared um, and we really just want to help support and back, you know, incredible founders that want to make the world a better place. So if you're working on something really exciting, uh, let us know. We'd love to hear about it and would love to be and explore being involved. Thank you so much. It's really great. And thanks for all that you do for the industry and, and do help founders. So thanks again for being on Building a Better World. Thank you.